Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. I could see someone saying, hey, Jake, I need help. I need help with this one thing. And next thing you know, Jacob is downstate and 100 miles from home. And all I can imagine is that things had spiraled out of control. In March of 2010, in the resort town of Traverse City, Michigan, Longtime resident Jacob Cabanaugh is well on his way to rebuilding his life after a recent divorce. The 31-year-old master mechanic is weeks away from graduating from college and thinking of pursuing a career in nursing to better support his two young boys. Then, on March 31st, after playing a few rounds of frisbee golf with friends, Jacob drops off the face of the earth. And more than a decade later, he remains missing, leaving behind his kids, his family, and a cryptic, Trail of Clues. I'm Steve French, and this is Unsolved Mysteries, Jacob's Last Drive. Jacob Cavanaugh was born in Traverse City, Michigan the seventh of 10 children, and a proud member of the Grand Traverse Band of Ottawa and Chippewa Indians. He was tall and lanky, and I always kind of thought he reminded me of Jack the Pumpkin King from Nightmare Before Christmas. Sandra Cranson is Jacob's older sister. He was an adventurous little kid, and he was just a fun kid, goofy, and just a smile that went from ear to ear. He liked biking, he liked frisbee golfing, football, basketball, skateboarding. I mean, anything to do with the outdoors. In high school, Jacob studied to become a car mechanic, and after graduation, married his junior high sweetheart. They soon had two young boys, and Jacob landed a job at Dave's Garage, the town's top repair shop. He was very busy. He was working full-time, he's a master mechanic, He also was going to school, and he was also an active member of the National Guard. Would go to guard duty every couple weekends and fulfill his obligation there. So he was pretty busy, but he still made time for his kids, his friends. He was a very good friend. He's the proverbial, give you the shirt off my back kind of guy. And I think that's one reason why he was looking at a career change is he liked working on cars and being a mechanic. He liked being able to help people out, but... 
He was talking to me about going into nursing courses and wondering if that was an option. Jacob's home life was also in transition. In 2008, his marriage of 10 years fell apart and the couple divorced. Jacob moved in with his mother to save money. His child support obligations put a strain on his finances, but Jacob never complained about his struggles and never said a bad word about his ex-wife. He's the typical divorced dad of two, paying child support, working paycheck to paycheck. So it was hard on him. It was very difficult. That's why he did all the work, and that's why he kept trying to do better, because he wanted to provide for his kids. It's about a year after his divorce is final, in March of 2010, when Jacob's bright future and that of his family turns tragically dark. On Tuesday night, March 30th, Jacob spends the night with his new girlfriend, and on Wednesday works a full day at his job at Dave's Garage. After work, he meets a friend, Gary Wittig, at the Hickory Hills Recreation Area, where they play a few rounds of frisbee golf. Gary said, hey, let's go get something to eat or get something to drink. And Jake said, no, I've got to head back to mom's house. i got to get some homework done. And then he dropped his friend off at like an open park. We call it open space. And that was it. April 1st was the next morning and my mom contacted me and said, Jacob didn't come home last night. And I called his work and he did not show up at work either. So that's when we were worried right away. It was totally out of his character to not show the respect to his mother that he would not be home. And so we knew, we knew something was wrong. For two days, friends and family try to reach Jacob on his cell phone, but their calls go directly to voicemail. So on Friday, April 2nd, Jacob's mother reports him missing to the Grand Traverse Sheriff's Department. But she's told that since he's an adult, they can't open a missing persons case unless he's been gone for a week. Then the next day, Jacob's mother receives an alert from his bank saying that a $40 withdrawal on his bank card was declined at an ATM due to lack of funds. It's highly unusual that Jacob would let his balance drop so low. But what's even more surprising is that the ATM is almost 1,200 miles south of Traverse City in Ardmore, Oklahoma. Me and my mom went to the state police and said, hey, we'd like to report a missing person. And I know we need to wait a week, but we want to move on this because this is what we have. And we showed them the bank statements. That's when they perked up and they said, well, we need to make a phone call. And that's when we were put in contact with the Grand Traverse County Sheriff Department. They finally responded to our request for help. No one had heard from him for four or five days, and that was not like Jacob. Detective Jason Polzine is an investigator with the Grand Traverse County Sheriff's Department. He loved his kids. He was a family-oriented person, and that one to just up and take off. That's what ultimately got the law enforcement involved and a police report going a few days later. Investigators immediately obtained Jacob's phone and bank records, hoping to track his most recent movements. They discovered that the last purchase on his credit card was on April 4th for gas in Sweetwater, Texas, more than 1,700 miles from home. Police backtrack from there to put together a timeline of Jacob's movements starting the night he disappeared. On March 31st, 2010, Jacob was out at Hickory Hills Frisbee Golf Course in Traverse City with Gary Wittig. They probably got out there around 7 p.m. or a little after and were out there till 8, 8.30. And then around 8.30, Gary wanted Jacob to drop him off downtown. A few minutes later, at 8.30 p.m., 
Jacob's credit card is used to purchase gas at a station in Traverse City, and it's used again between 8.30 and 9 p.m. to make a small purchase, most likely snacks and a drink, at the Buckley General Store, 17 miles south of Traverse City. At 10.31 p.m., there's a withdrawal of $140 from an ATM in Cadillac, Michigan, 40 miles further south. However, there's no video to confirm that it's Jacob who's using the card. Then the big one where they get video surveillance was on April 1st, 2010 at about two in the morning at a Speedway gas station in Manitowan, Michigan that was down by Kalamazoo. And the video surveillance from what I've seen, my opinion is definitely Jacob Cabin on it is definitely his silver Malibu, which he was last seen in. Jacob appears to be alone, and no other cars seem to be following him. He's still wearing the work clothes he was last seen in when he left Traverse City. It appears to investigators that Jacob is fine, and for whatever reason has decided to take a trip without notifying family or friends. Later that afternoon, at 2.36 p.m., Jacob's cell phone is used for the last time. He calls into an automated call center at the National Guard office. One of the things that we found out was that because of receiving student aid for school through the National Guard, he had to make a phone call at the beginning of every month saying, yes, I am still a student. And he made that phone call knowing that that would trigger a deposit into his account and wouldn't happen automatically, but it, you know, it'd be done at some point in time. The call is routine for Jacob. What's bizarre is that the cell phone pings off a location near Springfield, Missouri, 800 miles from home. After that, the phone is either turned off or loses power. As they look at his route, authorities come to the conclusion that Jacob was headed for Texas, driving about 850 miles in just 16 hours. The next sign of Jacob comes almost 10 hours later, but only 50 miles south of Springfield, when he catches the attention of local police. His plate was run in Hollister, Missouri, by a police officer. They ran his license plate at 12.15 in the morning. Whether or not Jacob was actually pulled over remains unknown, and no action was taken. It was likely just a patrol officer running an out-of-state plate. But what has Jacob been doing for the past 10 hours since he was in Springfield? It's unlikely he pulled over to rest, because three hours later, an Arkansas sheriff's deputy spots Jacob's car at a rest stop near West Fork, Arkansas. They found him sleeping in a rest area at about 3.32 in the morning on April 2nd. He was sleeping in his Malibu, and the deputy made contact with him and got his ID, goes back to the car, runs Jacob Cavanaugh, his date of birth, 6678, and then ran his plate. And when he gets the return over the air, you can hear that dispatch advised that it was Belonged to Jacob Cabanon, Traverse City, no warrants, and valid driver. So, But the one useful thing from that is that the deputy made contact with the driver. It appeared he was the only occupant. And at that point, Jacob was alone and traveling alone. This is the last undisputed eyewitness sighting of Jacob. After that, his route takes an odd turn. Later in the morning of April 2nd, about eight hours after he was seen at the rest stop, and 36 hours since he left Traverse City, Jacob, or someone else, attempts to withdraw $40 from Jacob's bank account at an ATM in Ardmore, Oklahoma. The transaction is declined due to lack of funds, and this is what alerted Jacob's mother that something had happened to her son. 
This transaction also points to a bizarre twist in Jacob's route. Instead of continuing south towards Texas, it seems he's made a turn directly west to stop in Ardmore, Oklahoma, adding hours to his trip. The big gap is what happened from Mantuan to Ardmore, Oklahoma. What was the reasoning for going that route? Two hours later, at 1.26 p.m., Jacob's card is successfully used to purchase a full tank of gas in Fort Worth, Texas, and he stops to fill up again three hours later. The last transaction on that card was used at a 7-Eleven in Sweetwater, Texas. The card was used on April 2nd, approximately 4.49 p.m. Again, it appears the gas was purchased at the pumps, and then that was the last time the card was used, and there was no other activity on the card, no other charges that were declined or anything like that. This is one of the puzzling things about this case, why there's limited credit card transactions, and then why all of a sudden in Ardmore, Oklahoma, Fort Worth, and then Sweetwater, Texas, why does he go back to using the card? It's one of several puzzling details to this part of Jacob's journey. For example, why after making a direct line from Michigan towards Texas, does Jacob suddenly detour some 57 miles to go to Ardmore, Oklahoma, and how is it possible that Jacob drove from Michigan to Texas without buying gas? I thought, how do you get from Michigan to Fort Worth and not buy any more gas until you get to Fort Worth? So one thing that me and my husband did was we followed the trail just to see how long it would take us to get from point A to point B at the exact same time that Jacob would have been at those places. And so that was very telling when we did that we had to stop at least two more times for gas between Michigan and Fort Worth, Texas. And then we did stop in Fort Worth and had to buy gas there. So that to me is surprising. I just, I guess the only thing I could think of is, you know, if someone else, and this is just my theory, had to be there to pay for gas on the way down. And then the next stop was in Sweetwater, Texas. The amount of time it took us to drive between Fort Worth and Sweetwater, it was too short. We didn't need to gas up again. There wasn't a need for him to fill a tank in Fort Worth and then fill a tank again in Sweetwater. There was hours missing, and we couldn't figure out where the hours were. And then when I watched the video, we went back further to watch how the vehicle entered the gas station, and it was actually entering from the town side, not from the highway side. So that kind of made me think, was that the destination? And then he's in the town and spending time in the town, and that's where the extra time went. And that's why he needed gas again, because he'd been traveling within that area. When the video surveillance tape is examined, everyone questions whether or not it's actually Jacob who's buying gas at the Sweetwater, Texas station. The car appears to be Jacob's vehicle, but the man in the grainy, sun-flared video seems shorter and stockier than Jacob's tall, thin, six-foot-two-inch frame, and he's not dressed in Jacob's work clothes. In Sweetwater, Texas, it does appear that it's a silver Malibu that pulls into the gas station, and there's a lone occupant again. You catch a brief glimpse of him. All you can tell is it's a skinny male. He's got a white T-shirt on, khaki shorts, and he's got dark-colored boots, and you can see he's got socks showing up over the top of the boots. You never really catch a glimpse of his head or face. He was not wearing the same clothes. He was wearing cargo shorts, which I've never seen him wear cargo shorts. They're baggy and sloppy, and that's not the way he dressed. 
And so the clothes didn't match what he'd been wearing last. If he had to buy gas, then he wouldn't have money for clothes. So where did that come from? That was always a question. So I'm not convinced it was him. I tried to reach out to Sweetwater and see if there was any other incidents involving a Malibu or any contacts with Jacob Cabanel or anybody else on that date. And my search of that didn't reveal any other lead. At this point, I don't know what was in Sweetwater. I don't know if, in fact, that was Jacob. So far, I'm kind of coming up a little short on that end. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including headliners Adidas, Expedia, and Ray-Ban. Rakuten is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals. During Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th, the cash back rates are even bigger. I'll be shopping for travel deals and home electronics. You can save on everything you need for summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of Big Give Week's 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey, Unsolved Mysteries listeners. I'm here to tell you that there's no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. There's a lot of pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas for family members, and sometimes I get super stressed trying to find the perfect thing. But now with Gift Mode on Etsy, I can search hundreds of gifting personas and find so many incredible items. And I actually just found the perfect gift for my fitness fanatic sister. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Is someone else now driving Jacob's car and using his credit card? Did Jacob meet with foul play sometime between when he was reported to be sleeping in his car at the rest stop in Arkansas and when he was seen at the gas station in Sweetwater, Texas? Or is this really Jacob on his way south, perhaps going to cross over the border into Mexico? One of the theories early on was that perhaps Jacob had gone down to Mexico as he's trying to get out on his own again, trying to restart his life with his new girlfriend. I guess with that in mind, the fact he didn't have a passport with him, he didn't speak Spanish, he's a mechanic, he left all his tools behind. To me, if you're going to start over, you're going to start working on cars in another country, you'd think you'd want some of your tools with you. So I think that was just another indication that he was wanting to get back home and get back to life as normal. With Jacob missing, police begin to search for any sign of his car, which could be a clue to what happened to him. In 2017, I was put in touch with NICB, which stands for the National Insurance Crime Bureau. And according to their records, at some point, the VIN for Jacob's Chevy Malibu flagged or alerted in Mexico. The only other information that they told me was that most likely it was at a scrapyard, so somehow the vehicle did end up in Mexico, it appears. 
but there is no record of Jacob Cabanaugh ever entering Mexico. I guess the only reason I can come up with is if there was foul play in this and they didn't want the car to remain in the U.S. So what better to do than to get the car across the border? Who would want to harm Jacob Cabanaugh? Law enforcement and Jacob's family believe that someone involved in the illegal drug trade offered Jacob a way to ease his financial burden. I could see someone saying, hey, Jake, I need help. I need help with this one thing. And you've got a car. I don't have a car. Let's just go do this. It'll only take a couple days. And then they are off. And next thing you know, Jacob is downstate and 100 miles from home and maybe feeling stuck. And like he has to help this person now. And then all I can imagine is that things had spiraled out of control. No one knows who might have offered Jacob the opportunity to make some quick cash. But many people wonder if Gary Wittig, the last person to see Jacob in Traverse City, knows more than he's saying. Coincidentally, Gary reportedly disappeared for a few days at the same time Jacob went missing. There was some speculation or curiosity as to where Gary might have been. But then when Gary surfaced, he claimed that that night, March 31st, he'd met a couple girls at a bar and ended up going back and partying with them at a hotel room. And in the process, his phone had died and he didn't answer any of the calls or texts from his mom. It's a story investigators have never been able to verify. But police are quick to point out that Wittig has never been charged with a crime in connection with Jacob Cabanaugh's disappearance, nor have they formally named him as a person of interest in the case. I kind of think Gary has to know more than he's saying. You know, who was the last person that Jacob Cabanaugh was with when he was in Traverse City, Michigan? It was Gary Wittig, and they were together for at least an hour and a half, if not two hours, for his big golfing, so in a semi-wooded area. And next thing you know, Jacob does not go home to do homework. Like he said, he's in his car driving south, and he doesn't stop. So how can Gary not know more? Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com odyssey. That's greenlight.com odyssey. It's been more than a decade since Jacob disappeared, and despite investigators' best efforts, there's still no theory about where Jacob could be or what happened to him.
I don't believe he was planning on being gone for an extended period of time at all. He had every intention of coming back. That's my belief. It's out of his character to just pick up and go somewhere to leave without letting anyone know, especially my mother, because, you know, we respect my mom. You know, you live with her, and she cared for him. She took care of him. Our father was very absent as we were growing up, so Jacob didn't have that father figure. So that's not the life Jacob wanted for his own sons. He was very hands-on and present, and he would not have abandoned his children. I do think he's dead, because if he were alive, he'd be home. Without a doubt, this one can be solved. We just, someone out there has information. Perhaps it's someone I've already talked to. I think the big thing is just who sent Jacob down to Texas? Where were they going? Who did he meet up with? What was he supposed to bring back? How did he get from Manitowan, Michigan to Texas? Why did Jacob stop using his credit card? You know, then why all of a sudden did he start using it in Texas? And then obviously, you know, the big question is, where is Jacob today? I can't help but take my cases personally. I'd like to be able to sit down one of these days with his two sons. I'd like to look them in the eyes and say, this is what happened to your dad. I can't imagine growing up without a dad and wondering, you know, was it something I did or something I said or why, why did dad leave? And so I guess that's that's my goal is one of these days to be able to sit down with his two boys and tell them, hey, look, this is what happened. It's not a stretch to say that I do think of him every single day. He's always there. I think that's something that is always in the back of your mind, as time goes on, 13 years goes on, all these missed opportunities, all these places where Jacob should have been and and he's not there. His parents are getting older and I just think that they're gonna not be around and they'll not know what happened. And it's just that not knowing that just is a cancer and eats at you. It's just the hardest part. We just hold on to that hope that we'll hear something. But every day it gets hard. Jacob Cavanaugh is a Native American male and was 31 years old when he went missing on March 31st, 2010. He has brown hair and brown eyes, is six foot two inches tall, and weighs about 145 pounds. He was last seen wearing his work uniform, consisting of dark blue pants, a white t-shirt, a dark blue jacket with Dave's Garage printed on it, and brown work boots. He was driving a silver 2002 Chevrolet Malibu with Michigan plates. If you have any information about Jacob's disappearance, please call the Grand Traverse County Sheriff's Department at 231-995 5002. Send an email to info at gtsheriff.org or contact unsolved.com. Next on Unsolved Mysteries. There's blood around my mom, but my first reaction was like, she fell, you know, she hit her head. I'm like, what's wrong? You know, not realizing this had happened hours ago. She wasn't breathing or anything. And I wasn't understanding, you know, why. Like, Things were just, they weren't registering. 
You know, I was just seeing them, but I wasn't understanding what was going on, why my mom was tied up, or what happened. Unsolved Mysteries is a production of Cosgrove Mirror Productions and Cadence 13, an Odyssey company. It is executive produced by Terry Dunn-Muir and Chris Corcoran. Produced by Christine Lennig, Courtney Ennis, and Bill Schultz. The story producer for this episode was Ann Toller, and it was edited by Robert Wise. From Cadence 13, editing, mixing, and mastering by Chris Basil and Andy Jaskowitz. Production support by Sean Cherry, Ian Mont, and Ava Fenneberger. Artwork and design is by Kirk Courtney. Publicity by Maura Curran, Josephina Francis, and Hilary Schuff. The original theme music was composed by Gary Malkin and Michael Boyd. Thanks for listening to episode 78 of Unsolved Mysteries.